Hey, this is Dee Mortimer, one of your co-hosts of Girly Mags. We just wanted to take a moment at the top of this episode to express our solidarity with Black Lives Matter and point you in the direction of some resources that have been helpful to us and may also be helpful to you as well. We have a number of resources linked at the, to the Girly Mags website, which you can find in our Instagram bio, and we highly recommend blacklivesmatter.com as your starting point. They have a wealth of information that they have kindly made available to all of us, and we should definitely be checking it out. If you're able, please consider donating to any number of supports that are currently in place to help Black and Indigenous people right now. If you are unable to donate at this time, please consider any other actions that you can take to show your own solidarity. Support Black, Indigenous, and POC small businesses where you can. Call and write your representatives and make sure your voice is heard in this fight for Black justice and liberation. And if you're looking for other podcasts to listen to at this time, you can check out shows like Code Switch by NPR, Still Processing with Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham, and Secret Life of Canada by CPC Podcasts with hosts Fallon Johnson and Leah Simone Bowen. Also, Google is your friend, and there is so much education out there right now that you can go and find out for yourselves. Please do. Do the work, and now here's some stupidness. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a bicycle whose chain just fell off, and now I'm just spinning my legs wildly. I love it. Hey, yo! Hello! Hi, hello! It's us, your favorite teen magazine podcast, coming in hot with a super special episode featuring a blast from the past super special guest... And today we're hopping in the time machine and heading back to August 1998 with an issue of Teen People. On the cover, the Backstreet Boys looking moody and wet on the front cover. And joining us for this nostalgic trip. Who cares who's on the cover? Let's talk about who's in the middle of the magazine. Yeah, it is VJ from another planet and the winner of the Wanna Be a VJ contest of 1998, Jesse Camp. Hello. My name's Andrea Johns. You guys were saying, is that Nick Lachey and Jeff of 98 Degrees? (laughs) But no, it's me, Jesse Camp, and my good friend Tom. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Tom is also a major 90s file. He loves the 90s and the 2000s. And so whatever I can't remember. And the 1780s and the 1850s <laughs> oh, yeah. and the 60s. Oh, yes. You know what's the crazy way. is that the other night we like showed up. Like we got this like this whole thing. Like everyone is looting. And like, you know, you got to go on the street and loot. So there we were with our 19th century loot that we had just gotten from the Ren Fair. And <laughs> let me just tell you, that wasn't the kind of looting that everyone was talking about. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, D, you introduce yourself. Actually, I'll introduce myself. My name is James Holly, a.k.a. Marilyn Mansplain, a.k.a. Karen Mark Marin. That's it. That's all for me. Hi, James. He dyed his hair green. Yeah. Who did Mar- Marilyn did? No, I did. There's no rules in quarantine, which would be cool if I was 16, but I'm 36. <laughs> no, listen. There's, I mean, as long as you're still, you know what? Like, I think that's a beautiful thing. I don't think you're ever too old to dye your hair. And in fact, the ladies that created Manic Panic are um, really, really awesome ladies. And they are in their 70s and still Dying doing all kinds crazy of crazy colors. colors. And they're fucking I loaded. Yeah. I first dyed my hair with green, my hair green with Manic Panic in the seventh grade. My mom did it for me. Ah. My brother dyed his hair once when he was younger with like bingo dabber like fluid, like the mark and bingo dabber markers. He like bro- busted one open and dyed his hair with it. I literally did that a year ago. <laughs> I was at a bar and I was really drunk and they had bingo dabbers. <laughs> anyway, I just my name is Paintball for the hair dye. Yeah. yeah. I used my name is uh... as a young wee punk. Yeah. I mean, but you know, again. No matter how you dye your pubes, it's not going to get rid of the crabs. They know <laughs> no, what's no. Bleach? What about bleach? You know what? I have a bunch of scabs on my scalp from the bleach I use. I don't want to see them on my pubes. <laughs> what were you using? No one should have scabs on their scalp. From I have sensitive scalp. <laughs> hi, Dee. Uh, Introduce yourself. Hi. My name is Dee Mortimer, uh, Dee Murder and Mayhem Mortimer. So, uh, yeah, just joining you from my humble abode in Toronto. And I am, I have to Toronto, say, Canada. Toronto. Toronto, Canada. 
And I have to say, I'm thoroughly enjoying whatever is happening with this recording right now. It's very fun. <laughs> we're within the confines of 1981 right here. Yes. I mean, we are... We are um, we are living. We got one foot in the past, one foot in the future, and if mm-hmm. we had a third foot, where would we put it? In our mouths, but we don't. Yeah. That's why we're going to be talking all kinds of crazy '90s stuff and whatever anyone wants to talk about. We're super excited about it, and we love Toronto. I remember when you were playing in the Pogues, and um, yeah. I followed you up to the Shane Much McGowan. Music mm-hmm. Studios, and that was freaking pretty crazy. Yeah, you played with the Pogues. Yeah, extremely wasted. Holy Shame again. Fuck. Couldn't hear them anymore. This was way. This I was like, a, I was a, I was even, I was like a preteen back then. Yeah, that's when I first I met you because yeah. um the Pogues were playing in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, very close to where I was from, and, and I met you after the show, and I was like, dude, that was some badass bagpipe playing, and you were like, yo, man, you want to know what rock and roll is about? You got to come on the road Absolutely. with the Pogues. Yeah. And to my that's mom's crazy. credit. She let a 13-year-old kid get, you know, taken by a, a large group of Irish and Scottish hooligans. And, <laughs> yeah. man, that was fun. And then you and I smuggled me up into Canada. Yeah. I mean, that I was, that. Mm-hmm. those are crazy times. Awesome. Yeah, we wrapped That's you in insane. Tartan. <laughs> that is so awesome. Smuggled them in Tartan. <laughs> Shane McGowan good. should not be in the, like, Shane McGowan should not be caring for any kids. <laughs> like, it's just... No, no. No, he was a horrible father figure. <laughs> he was pretty intoxicated the whole time. I Absolutely. think. I think the the main thing was as long as they could get him on stage. That would that yeah. was all he really yeah. cared about. Yeah. I took my brother and his friend to go see Shane McGowan and the Popes when they played Toronto, and ah. he like he came on at like eleven thirty at night, played for like half an hour, stumbling around the stage, left, and I guess took a nap and drank more whiskey. <laughs> And then stumbled back on stage at like one in the morning. Very cool. I mean, you know, it's it's not a move you can. You, oh my god! Oh no, no, nothing. I just, you know, it's so weird. Sometimes you have things that pop into your head like from a dream. And, uh, and I, I, deja vu. Deja vu. No, I just had this weird part of this dream, right? Where like, oh my gosh, where 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 all of us were backstage after like um, a, a Chicago Bulls. Utah Jazz game, oh, yeah. and that Carl Malone was a sex offender, so that he had to like give like a piece of paper to everyone that was like, "Hi, my name is Carl Malone, and I'm a sex offender." And we were like there after the game, and we found one of those pieces of papers. I really shouldn't be saying a damn thing out of my mouth because Carl Malone is completely not a sex offender. <laughs> no. no he sense. did say that so, I'm hunting little Mexican girls thing to like. I think it was Kobe's uh, wife. Ew. Uh. Wait, that's a real thing? Yeah, he said it to, like, Kobe's yeah. wife. And Jesse's then they... like, is this a dream and that or was part of the falling life? out of the Lakers, that team with is the Lakers. Is this just fantasy? <laughs> also, you're in Wyoming. Like, you have no idea that Carl Malone might be, like, somewhere, like, 100 feet, like, like the next town over. We're actually dangerously close to Utah. Yeah, Carl so... Malone, like, lives on, like, a ranch. You never know where he is. All right, just some things that happened in August of 98, the same month this magazine came out. Sherry Lewis... The American puppeteer and ventriloquist dies 64. Is she from oh. Lamb Chop? Lamb Chop is oh, fine. And Lamb Chop is finally free to live her best life. This is the song that doesn't end. All right, in music, uh, Death Cab for Cutie released their first album. Corn uh, released Follow the Leader. And you don't even want to ask me about that because you guys know that in the first week of September, I actually I went on the road with Corn. That's how I first met those guys. And uh, and Jonathan it is, uh, is is honestly still a best friend. Um, and and uh, but basically, um, the they, they had this thing called the Corn Campaign, and basically, like Corn, like would just do these massive in stores, like um, in in basically every city. And so um, with MTV, we went and we followed them all around. And I remember we went to Philadelphia and Detroit. And uh, and then it came to New York, and here's the amazing, here's an amazing memory: is that Corn had like rented a double decker bus that they just, just for Adidas up. jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, yeah, they were still kind of in the in the Adidas look and, and all that. I mean, um, but I tell you what, that album, that there was definitely like such an excitement to like when that album came out because it was just like everyone knew it was going to be like a, a a giant thing, and Corn. Like those first two albums prior to that, 
you know, it kind of really built them up. They were like just poised to like, they're like, you know, they were like as a, like a, a, a cult band, but that was just about to like just really. Yeah, that definitely the- like spurned that new metal scene in the late 90s that so many kids identified with. I was just reading like an article from that time and they were talking about there was like three albums that were released at that. Corn is really the filet of that genre. Oh, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, in any kind of musical genre, whether it be punk, you know, I mean, I put it to you this way. Corn were the clash of new metal. Yeah, well, they said I was reading this Rolling Stone article, and they said if new metal was high school, Corn were the weirdo stoners, Kid Rock the class clown, and Orgy the goth theater kids, because those albums all. I love August. Orgy though. Yeah, Candy Ass was great. Oh my God! Yes, 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 yes. All of those guys are are um, a bunch of fun. I mean, that was. I mean, yeah, Orgy, Orgy really got a crazy pass. Yeah, if you forget about that, Orgy really kind of brought like this whole kind of like. They were really goth and really had this whole, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the New Order cover. The New Order cover, that's and right. The haircuts. Yep. And those haircuts, the oh my gosh. <laughs> they look kind of like Kate Gosling gone like flock <laughs> of seagulls. It was if, awesome look. If Corner of the Seniors trapped were the kid in a trench coat writing like furiously in a journal while giving everyone else dirty looks, something weird was happening with music also. Uh, Liz Fair released White Chocolate Space Egg as an album name, and Massive Grooves from the Electric Cirque of Psycho-Funkadelic Grungalism <laughs> rock music was released by Pound Hound. <laughs> by who? Pound Hound. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Something else was uh, brewing up north during that time. Um, hold the boat. I wish that I uh, could recall the words offhand, but... Um, you know, it's not for me. If you steal my sunshine. Oh, Len. Oh, Len. Yeah. Len. <laughs> I like I that. that. I, you should do a punk cover of that. I think the me, the me first and the gimme gimme's already cornered that market. L A T E R that week. Oh, Jesus. L A T E R that week. So L A T E R that year. Oh, man. 1998. It was insane. And I mean, and, and, and I'm not trying to like just like like uh, like be like Toby Keith. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. But to be an 18 year old kid right there in Times Square when you had like corn was blowing up. Um, the Backstreet Boys had kind of like really gotten big that whole summer in sync. Yeah, and Britney, Britney. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Like I, I had um, and and he's still a good uh, a, a good guy. Larry Rudolph used to be my um uh my lawyer. I, Oh man, look at me doing the name drop. But he was the guy who basically discovered um, Britney Spears. And I remember him bringing her to TRL like the second week that that happened. And she was just like a little kid. Yeah. And it was uh, amazing to see the journey that she went on. And um, I sell her Adderall these days. And she's doing good. <laughs> Great. And then we can't, I, Britney, Britney as she is now is phenomenal. Like, yeah, no, her. Britney as she yeah. is now is amazing yes force of nature she's amazing i follow her instagram i love all of her stories she's like the one the one like child who grew up rich who i feel like a lot of empathy for because she certainly like was she's a homegrown louisiana girl you know she didn't really like she didn't let fame ever get to her head she's still like dressed how she wants and does what she wants she doesn't care well and the whole industry is revolves around you you can't even sleep in because it costs people money yeah for like the first like 27 years of your life oh yeah absolutely and then you know you have that and and what's weird is that there was always a weird father involved too um there always is yeah jessica simpson too we're gonna get into celebrity gossip Macaulay Culkin. I was talk about Joe, Joe Simpson. He was grooming me for a minute, but it didn't. Holy dance. shit! <laughs> Holy shit! I love all this gossip. <laughs> uh, just really quickly in movies, we got Blade featuring Wesley Snipes. Studio Fifty Four came so out. So underrated, and Blade Two, phenomenal pieces of work. Studio Fifty Four, Ryan Philippe. Oh, Selma Hayek, Mike Myers, Slums yeah. of Beverly Hills. Love that. Natasha Lyonne. Back. Fuck that. I just want to talk about one movie that came out this month. Airbud 2, Golden Receiver. <laughs> Sequel yes. to the original Airbud. What's so hilarious there is that there had already been a porno version of Airbud called Golden <laughs> Receiver that came out. And so, you know, I mean, that makes Golden so much Shower sense. Receiver. So Golden Shower Receiver is actually maybe even a better, a better work. 
if you're into bestiality porn. But just <laughs> he was so good at everything else. <laughs> I'm oh, sure yeah. when the fame got to his head, there would just be like a video coming out of like him in the yeah. showers after like a championship. If you don't remember the premise yeah. of Air Bud, it was uh, an alcoholic clown had a uh, dog that he abused. Fun start. <laughs> God. And then the, the dog becomes homeless, and then a kid adopts him, finds that he's good at a basketball. I assume he was a complete defensive liability. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that dog being anything on defense whatsoever. A real Lou yeah. Williams six-man. <laughs> Just out there. pure offense off the bench. Oh, my Lord. I, I can see them being aligned in the movie. I ain't guarding that dog. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in this movie, he, he's good at football. What? Up until a couple of sneaky Russians try and kidnap him. But don't worry, with the help of a chimp, uh, who I assume is the chimp from Ed, or MVP Most Valuable Primate, <laughs> they escape. <laughs> Wait, is that a Matt LeBlanc movie? <laughs> and then Buddy ends up escaping and winning the game. Amazing. On a fun note, uh, I'd like to dedicate this to the fact that that wasn't the original Buddy. The original Buddy died two months before the movie's release of sineal sarcoma, a rare form of cancer that affects soft tissue. Rest in peace, buddy. That's that's, that's horrible. Rip. R.I.P. There's no hope for him now, Travis. He's suffering. You know we've got to do it. So it says in this teen people, 1998, it says VJ from another planet. Those clothes, that hair, that voice. Jesse can't maybe weird, but his bizarre charm won the hearts and votes of MTV viewers. So it's talking about, uh, well, it has all these pictures of people, you hugging Carson Daly, you winning the $25,000, which now is like 40000 and pictures of you being showered with money like a hot stripper. That seems responsible to hand to hand like an eighteen year old kid forty thousand dollars. So tell us about your experience. What happened? How did this all start? How did you get into MTV? How much debt did you go into at Lit Lounge? What was your bar tab like? <laughs> wow, all great questions. I mean, and um, it was a, it's really a magical a magical story. Um, basically. Uh, and I, I can give you, um, I won't give the insanely, um, uh, long-winded version, but I was basically, um, uh, you know, like an 18 year old kid. I, I just spent the previous year with my sister kind of, um, you know, we, we were kind of, we went on this big, massive road trip all across the country and we were originally from the East coast from Connecticut. And so basically we had, we had taken kind of like, um, uh, like a, a crappy Volvo and, and, and we ended up driving it all around the country to California. And then the car was starting to crap out around like the end of February. And so we just had this feeling like, you know what, we kind of need to get back home and regroup and really figure out what we're going to do with our lives. And then basically um, we got back to Connecticut in March. And then all of a sudden you started seeing these like signs, you know, like um, not signs, but like, you know, like ads on MTV kind of like, all about this like giant VJ contest. And it was very much like Charlie and the chocolate factory. It was this crazy contest where, you know, basically um, they would have open auditions at their uh, MTV studios, which they had just built, which were these like uh, really ahead of their, well, not ahead of their time because much music had been having an open air to the street kind of studio idea even before. MTV. Wow. But as, far as, <laughs> as far as though New York city, I mean, you didn't have like, you know, any of those like Good Morning America open air studios yet. So for New York, it was kind of an original concept. But long story short, um, I would basically, um, Connecticut is a beautiful place to grow up and live, but boring as fuck if you're Mm -hmm. uh, under 65. So I would basically, you know, like I would uh, go. So during April or like March, I would just like, I would. Take, take the bus down into the city. I was only like two and a half hours out. I'd hang out in the city all week and then come home on the weekends. And then, um, and I was just kind of just enjoying just, just living life, having fun. And then MTV had this contest. I just went down there kind of, uh, you know, just to, to like any, any kid at the time, just to be a part of it and maybe get a glimpse inside MTV studio. I had no idea that I would end up becoming one of the 10 finalists. 
Um, because basically, like, the MTV executives and people working there whittled down to 5,000 people that came and auditioned down to uh, 10 people. And then um, basic viewers at home kind of voted those 10 people down to Yeah, you used to call in. You had to be competing against so many Nick Lachey's. <laughs> yeah. And you were like a cool rocker kid. Well, you know, I, I, and again, it's not me like, you know, touting my own horn. I was sort of a, definitely a kid out of time because I was very much, always have been very much, you know, into glam metal, hard rock, you know, like Hanoi Rocks, New York Dolls. That was really, um, you know, my very favorite stuff at the time. And that was still very kind of out of sync with the times because what's so weird is that, that even in 97, 98, if you wore like a poison shirt, it was it it, it it hadn't become cool and retro. Um, it was really like you know like oh that's gross you know I mean you're not serious enough like rock music was really like it was all right it was really it got really boring after Nirvana where like they yeah. all this all the like the, the the social stuff of Nirvana like these really serious bands with goatees came out well and it's and, the new metal yeah. time there right? wasn't like a lot of fun in rock music back then and you seen like no. a guy at a time with like. Like a, a, a remnant of like fun rock and roll. Yeah, like 80s LA. And being completely fair, I mean, just not just even, you know, hard rock and roll, but just music in general was completely in the doldrums in the late 90s until uh, 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 the great white wonder um, from the north came down and descended upon us and just made, uh, I would have to say, that honestly, next to the Beatles, Nickelback, <laughs> change the landscape. And the band that I'm talking about that fucking totally fixed the world was the Bare Naked Ladies. Oh my god! <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been. They brought, they brought hardcore back. That wasn't enough. Oh my god! Then we got Chad Kroger and Nickelback. Some yeah. 41. I'm just teasing. Listen, <laughs> I the other day, the other day with Dee Dee, I was really nerding out because honestly, we here love Canadian bands so fucking much. When it comes to hard rock, you have bands like April Wine, Triumph. Um, oh my God. I saw a picture and of you with Sebastian Bach, who's from Canada. Oh yeah, ba- Sebastian. Hold on. Wait, if this is just audio, we could pretend Sebastian just came here. Hey, dude! Dude, what are you doing, dude? Sebastian, we're just recording a podcast. Is it for Girly Max, dude? They have to have me on, dude. Are you doing a different voice? I was on the cover of Teen People with, um, oh, what was that show I did? Girl More Girls, dude! If you're So obviously you grew up in Connecticut, right? And so yep. if you were really into like those, the looks that got you on MTV, what was it like going to high school there where people are all boring and like white bread and like, you know, like I just, I would like to know what your experience was like. Cause a lot of our show is talking about what it was like being a teen in the nineties. So obviously you go from, yeah. would you grow up in a really waspy area? Oh God. Yes. Yes. White Anglo-Saxon. And full of piss. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Jewish, right? Am I wrong? You're raised Jewish? Yes. So yes, not, I am. So not only was there the, the the hair, but also like you're around like a million wasps in Connecticut. Yeah. So what was your high school experience like? Like what? I would just say comfortable is our talking. Our dad is a giant wasp. Our dad is the waspiest wasp. And listen, <laughs> if we're going to be talking the wasps of Connecticut, we really have to be also talking about the ticks. I mean, when you talk about Lyme disease, that started in Connecticut. The mean streets of Connecticut, if you weren't getting jumped for your milk money, you were getting bitten by a tick. <laughs> and those are the mean streets of Connecticut. Hey, no, to be fair, Connecticut, there's, um, honestly, Connecticut really is like a haves and a have-nots, sadly. I mean, you would have like, you know... um inner cities like Hartford and um, uh, Bridgeport. And then, and then, you know, uh, all these suburbs, very wealthy suburbs, basically actually to really be give a Connecticut, such a tiny state, but basically the bottom half of it, 
from like New Haven on down is really just like a giant um, suburb or extension of the New York metro area. Mm-hmm. And then in the, and then the middle of the state um, uh, and on up is very much more New England. And so it's very, I'll put it to you this way. Um, the bottom part of Connecticut would root for the Yankees. The top part of Connecticut would root for the Boston Red Sox. Not that again, this, you know, it, it means so much, but back there, it's like a big part of the identity. I have to tell you this though. I looking back, I think the place that where you're from definitely, you know, you have nature and nurture. And I definitely have to say that I've always been the unique thinker that I am, you know, and I think that, that me and my soul, that who I am, that, that would have just come through no matter where I was raised. But I have to say at the same time, when you talk about the nature element of it, I think to a certain degree, because there was a lot of Connecticut, see at the same time, you had Connecticut, there were all these different pockets and, and, and where Marisha, my sister and I grew up, we were also, there, was a, there definitely was a lot of what you would call white trash elements to it because, you know, um, yeah, I mean, God, I hate to say this, but Connecticut's very, there, there was a little, it's a little bit like that movie, The Outsiders, where you'd have the greasers and you'd have the socias. And the town that we grew up in was this town, Granby, which back in the day was much more of a, of a white trash town. And then just eventually as like Hartford um, in the insurance industry there got so big, you know, I would have to say our town kind of gentrified. Yeah, our town gentrified drastically since our childhood. Yeah. But another thing I want to say to Connecticut, what made what made Connecticut a palatable experience to being someone like Jesse is that even when we were kids, it was extremely progressive. Um, yeah. Our high school, it was totally okay to be gay, which, um, you know, in the I, 90s, that's a big after deal. High school, after high school, I realized like, oh, shit, there's places like Texas or Laramie, Wyoming, you yeah. know, where mm-hmm. it's not like that. And um, so in a sense, we were really in a bubble. I grew up in the suburb of Toronto, went to Catholic school, and it was not okay to be gay there. Yeah. No, not at all. Okay. You can, I'll be, I'm going to be, I'll tell you guys a really honest story. Um, when I was, I think this was in my junior year, I had another friend named Pick. You know, I think that Pick might actually have been gay, but that we basically, um, I remember that we kind of like tricked the school into thinking that we were boyfriends and only because it made me so much more popular with like all the <laughs> girls in the school. But that was the thing is that to me, at the time, growing up, also, I was way into things like my own private Idaho and like Gus Van Sant stuff because it was always this kind of like coolness if you could kind of be like a male hustler in a way. I mean, the, if in those articles, if they talk about that, I used to always carry like a big ghetto blaster boombox around school. That was true. The thing about Connecticut is that because you did have like so many conservative people, it actually like in, in, a, in a rebel without a cause kind of way. Um, you know, it made me actually then want to go against that even yeah. more and be even crazier. But the thing is, is that they're crazies in every high school. And, and, and to be also really fair, our mom and dad did a beautiful, amazing thing for us because they, they, um, we you know, were, we went we to were, this high we school that was very, uh, it was, it was very, very, uh, posh. We went to, we went to like, uh, you know, an extremely good, New England's boarding school, and we were not but, from the socioeconomic demographic that typically attends that school. And mm-hmm. our parents sacrificed big time to send us there. You know, so yeah. we're, we're we come from we, we have two educators. Parents. Our mom is the what was the principal of um, the kindergarten through second grade school in our town, and our dad uh, was a Western civilization an economic professor at Yuhan. The University of Hartford, but if you say it fast, you can make it sound like Harvard. But, um, <laughs> but so basically, like to kind of be like crazy and be artsy fartsy, you know, you do have to have like a little bit of privilege yeah, in order, you, you in, order in order, in order to, to become that. that. Because if not, you know, it, you know, you're. No, I mean, we were incredibly privileged that we could, because I was also a weird artsy kid, like that we could be those people and be celebrated for it mm-hmm. um, as opposed to being shoved in a locker. Like yeah. we're extremely lucky, you know, as kind as, as much as like our entire high school wore an, a uniform of J crew and we and a handful of other kids did not, you know, as much as there was definitely there a, was enough of a, of a punk scene at the a, school that I could start like a punk band, you know, there was, yeah, there, there was, was enough, but, of a, but that was the thing. Is but, it was but the a, thing is it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and but that where would you play? So was there like a like a Legion Hall you'd rent out like one? Yeah, night? exactly, yeah. exactly. It's always exactly. the fucking Legion Hall. Love those guys. I know. I love. Shout it. out. Oh, by the way, if you want to introduce yourself, is Mar- Marisha, right? Your sister? Marisha, yeah. Are you guys yes, twins? Yes, I'm a sister. You're getting two camps for the You're price for of the one. Of one. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask Marisha a question. Uh, so your brother wins the the, v- the VJ search, and he gets handed this check for, you know, $25,000. What was your th- was she like, oh, no. What was your <laughs> thoughts then? Or did you guys go and party and hang out? How old were you? Jesse was 18. Are you older, younger, the same age? We are actually fraternal twins. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah, and so... You guys are both Scorpios. Yes, I have your birthday here, November 4, 79. It's in this Twist magazine. (laughs) You know what? I I made it... We both made it just into the nick of time. Into the nick of time. And it's like, as you get older, yeah, it's weird. It's like a badge of honor, you know? It's, it's a strange badge of honor. Because had mom and dad just waited like a month or so, we would have been born into the 80s. So did you, did you like, move? Did, uh, Marisha, did you move to New York? Did you live there as well? I, I did, actually. I did. Um, I, I don't want to be, like, turning this all into a story of privilege, but I think that we kind of knew that money needed to go in the bank, you know? like Smarty we, um, That sounds smart. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah that, was, exactly. that wasn't quite the party plan. And our dad was very active in, like, making sure that that was all handled, you know. Um, we basically, I don't know if you guys know about um, what the whole other entrepreneurial side of us, but we basically, we took all that money and we started our own, uh, God, do you remember the first the first food truck that we had? Oh we basically, God, yeah. we opened... Um, uh, a, a food truck called Quesadillas Queen, <laughs> and this was this was all the way back in like 2001. Yeah. I think you guys are trailblazers. We... You might forget this. Around the same time, you were featured in Twist magazine. They gave you a test. They asked you a bunch of questions. Do you want us to read the questions to you? Let's see if you can actually. Remember. Let's ask you the questions now, and then we'll reveal what your answers were back then. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. So it says. He didn't win the first VJ competition for nothing. Jesse Camp, America's most lovable goofball, has a heart of gold and a hairdo that, well, you'd hate to run a comb through. Now he's got his own band, Jesse and the 8th Street Kids, a new album, and a few things to tell you. So it says, if I were granted one wish, it would be... I mean, my answer, of course, would be would just, would, would be for everyone to be able to, to, to feel complete peace and autonomy and to love everyone and for us to all be in, in a free world where everyone can be whoever they want to be and 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 no one has to suffer or uh not be their true authentic self that was a very thoughtful answer and just very well spoken your answer in 1998 was bigger hair <laughs> <laughs> you can have wow, one wow. thing in the world oh, wow you've evolved you've wow evolved, you know? yeah i mean my first inclination was to go with bigger hair now but i thought <laughs> hey uh biggest rumor about me that isn't true oh well now i mean my god now probably the the biggest one about me that's not true is that case of diaz queen is basically a pyramid scheme and um you know and again i think this is because of my work with as the ceo of herbalife and with avon cosmetics that people just assume any of my business (laughs) ventures are pyramid schemes but it's not true. Quesadillas Queen is just great, authentic Mexican food. <laughs> Served! You're, th- Served! Then you said the biggest rumor about me that isn't true is that I don't wash my hair. <laughs> Again, you can't get your hair up if you don't wash your hair back then. Like, yeah, it's got to be pretty dry. Yes! I was really angling for a Pantene endorsement. Wouldn't you kill for hair that's shiny and healthy? Three dating tips. Any dating tips now? You don't have to name three. You can just name any. Oh, what are my date? My dating tips now? No, now, Here. now I think like when you're older, it's more about like, have you done the self work? You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a great point. Have you done the self work? Uh, Marisha, actually, I think this is this is a genius expression. We were talking about this. Um, you know how like if you do a charitable act and and you're like, hey, well, can I can I give you something? You know, like and someone's like, no, just pay it forward. Well, in that same way, I think a lot of people, and, and this is Marisha's, Marisha had this expression. I'm going to let her say it. 
paying your trauma forward. A lot of people do that, you know, like yeah. they, they never really yeah. work on their on their issues. I mean, paying your trauma forward is as simple as I'm having a shitty day, so I'm going to cut off the person in front of me and drive like an asshole. It's really not fair for you to, to you know, let your toxic bad energy out on innocent people. I mean, so I guess my dating tips would be just, yeah, you you know, just just make sure that you're with someone that, you know, you I you know what? When you're young, you want to date damaged people and you want totally. like these weird adventures and, and all of this and it's fun. But, you know, when you when hopefully, you know, you get a little older and, and you're looking for for more stability. And, and because if this if, is crazy, Tom and I were actually talking about this this morning yeah. over breakfast that when, when when you're young, you kind of go for like whatever key fits your lock and very often that is like recreating your family pattern or yeah. Yeah. You know, you're drawn to certain things that that ultimately don't work if you're lucky you don't have a ton of trauma in your background and you just you're a nice kind person you get with another nice kind person you're kind to each other and your young relationships can work out for a lot of people that's not it and you you kind of have to stop at some point when you're older and totally. you know figure your own shit out before anything's gonna work you know? i was thinking myself in the uh when you're young and you're pretty you just like kind of just wear your trauma and you're like this is me just deal with it and like you know this is my these are my edges and you can just like go out there and then you might like keep going with that and just when you date older people and you're a bit like older in your life, people just aren't willing to put up with that, that you're just going to be like, this is who I am and these are my edges. And you can keep like, I guess, like jumping from rock to rock and just trying to date young people who are willing to deal with that shit. But eventually you get an age where it's like, oh, I got to deal with myself because uh, uh, like a self-possessed person, the kind of person I want to be in a relationship with won't put up with that. Like yeah. they don't I think, care. I think that's really, I think that's really interesting though, because like, you know, like I've said before, whenever we've kind of like talked about dating and growing up in the nineties or even just growing up as teenagers, like I was a very late bloomer when it came to any kind of dating, any kind of sexual relationships with anybody. And I really feel like my, my being a late bloomer came from a place of, I wanted to be vulnerable in relationships and I wanted to be empathetic and compassionate in relationships. And it was just like, not to be a, not to be a douchebag, but it was like, maybe I was just looking for something a little bit too mature for the people that I was surrounding myself with. You know, it's funny when I was in my like mid twenties, I was 140 pounds. I, this is why I really related to Jesse of this era. <laughs> I was 140 pounds. You guys would have been besties. Six one. Had big hair because I would like rub it and like grow like grow it up and it'd be all, all huge, and uh, wearing yes. snakeskin pants. And I was just like, I'm fucked up. I drink all the time, and I'm just gonna be like, this is me, and you have to deal with that. And I just didn't want. And then like you know, like I'm a broken person. Fuck it, I drink and I'm broken. And then eventually you have to yeah. realize that when you get a bit older, it's like, oh, it's not that cute anymore. Like it gets yeah. sad, and then it's like you got to be like, oh, I gotta deal with this shit and be like a healthy person. And it sucks. It's much more fun to be like, I'm pretty and I'm just people just deal with my fucked up shit and I just leave like giant fires <laughs> behind me. Speaking of hair, Jesse says, this is how I describe my hair. Well, you got to feed your hair for it to stand up. When it gets hungry, I feed it honey, oats and ice cream. You still have luxurious long hair, which I think is great. You see a lot of people Thank who are you. like hair metal people back in the day, and then you're like, "Oh, what happened to your hair?" Fuck, that is good hair. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to. I want to do. I want to interrupt one one thing. What were your dating tips and twists, though? Oh, <laughs> what were they? oh we forgot to yeah. mention his dating tips in 1998 were uh, one. Probably bring your tic tac, man. <laughs> <laughs> one, fill up the tank. Two, get music to crank. Three, have fun with your date, even if they are a skank. <laughs> That holds up. That holds up. That, that, that holds up. I just have to say, up. in 1998, the word skank wasn't as politically loaded as it is today. Yeah, totally. Like, Although I love Donald Trump wasn't retweeting tweets calling Hillary Clinton a skank in exactly. 1998. Hillary's not a skank. Hillary's not so not a He retweeted uh, some like ninth, some like weird right wing Republican guy being like that skank Hillary Clinton oh my God. like three days ago. It's 
ridiculous. It's That's easy to not true. notice because every two days he does something fucking insane on Twitter. Yeah. I always wondered how it works with VJs. They funnel certain acts towards you, like that's a Jesse Camp type, and then funnel certain acts towards like, like metal Carson bands Daly. and stuff that came in. Or like Avril like- Levine. We're like, oh, send him right to Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, basically, like uh, during that summer um, after the VJ contest, they gave me my own show. And I was actually able to... Um, Wasn't it Lunch with Jesse or something? It, it was Lunch with Jesse, and we were able... Now, now this was what was so kind of like feeling like subverting the system. Now, granted, this was a show that was only airing at like 11.30 a.m. to noon, but we basically, we we were able to get like MTV without them really knowing to do like a three-part episode at Sebastian Bach's house. And um, cool. and then we, we had Rat on. We had like D. Snyder on. We had all these like amazing 80s bands but we couldn't, of course, play their video. We'd have to, like, throw to, like, you know, find stuff, like, intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. But, I mean, but still. That's what's going to introduce can... your segment. Yeah, actually. Wait, can I say something, though, yeah. about, like, these 80s bands? One of the, the big things in, in our embrace of 80s bands was that there was this age of irony that kind of took over in the mid-90s um, or post-grunge or during grunge, I don't know. And... And so although it's not the correct use of the word irony, the idea was, oh, I like this ironically. You couldn't be sincere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was almost like this, you know, the zeitgeist had just turned to, I'm so insecure that I can't just sincerely like something. Yeah. So what these 80s bands represented was just, you know, not just young, dumb, full of cum, but... <laughs> You know, th- this is it. Like, I work a shit job during the week. I'm going out. I'm partying on the weekend. Like, it was simple, and it was mm-hmm. also incredibly, incredibly sincere. Yeah. On, on yeah. one level, yeah. you know, on another level, it was definitely you had all these hopefuls moving out to LA and like becoming formulaic and whatnot. But on this other level, like the message of it was like incredibly sincere and didn't have this. You know, I have to detach from myself to be able to. Definitely. I'm always definitely, you know, attracted more to the sequin side of life. And I mean, there was so much amazing, you know, fashion always with with hard rock and roll. Well, the other thing, too, is that like if you're a bit of a weirdo, which all of us clearly are. When I was growing up as a kid, I remember first moving to Canada in like 97, 98 and all this Backstreet Boys that are on like this magazine. Everything was super popular. But then to go into a magazine like that and see like corn or see like Marilyn Manson, mm-hmm. like that was super important to me because I live my parents moved me to a super boring white bread town and to be able to have any kind of outlet that made it wasn't that I was trying to make me different it's that I was different and those bands or that expression of identity was like something different um to go back to uh what was being discussed with kind of like not being able to genuinely enjoy things um without feeling like it somehow made you weird or somehow made you a dork or whatever I think that's what's really important about like the nostalgia uh like the nostalgia popularity that's coming back now is that now we're you know I'm 38 in a couple of weeks and I can talk about those things I remember like listening I remember (laughs) listening to like Backstreet Boys and stuff like that and being like this ain't so bad and like grooving to it or whatever and then like you know but I was surrounded by other people like the the people who were my friends who were always just kind of like oh they suck they suck blah blah and but now with like the resurgence of like 90s nostalgia and 2000s nostalgia I can go back and say like and be that nerdy kid that you know just liked music no matter what it was and can talk about everything that I love and I think that's what I love most about doing this show and what I love most about like deep diving into like you know the nostalgic past i'm gonna come out and say it in the early 2000s like rock music was filled with rock dorks and i'm gonna come and say it i don't want my rock music to be a homework assignment i don't give a fuck about kid a and i never want to fucking listen to it ever again yeah dude yes it might be smart it might be genius i don't want a fucking homework assignment to listen to like this album that's like eight minute long songs where it's and that's such a thing in high school where you very much have to fit into, like, you can't, like, I was very into, like, rave music, but I was also into, like, goth and, like, orgy and, like, I'm the fire starter. and shit. Yeah, like, and I was super into all of that, but then I was into, like, electronic. But back then, when you're a teenager, everybody's like, no, you're a poser. Like, you have yeah. to listen to, like, one type of music or fit into one genre, whether that's a jock or a punk. Well, also, there's still those boundaries, But there's right? also the rock intellectuals who promoted just the most boring music of all time around the time. Like, Broken Soul Scene, I like some of their songs. I'm from Canada. and But, like, eight minutes long? Like, I don't... If you play the same fucking jam for, like, same 
rhythm section for so long and then add in like some reverb. I'm bored. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? There's not enough parkas and scarves in the fucking world <laughs> to make me give a shit about 2000s rock. Indie rock. Well, except for Modest Mouse, and I love a lot of this shit. But. Uh, if you guys have time, I have trivia questions. I'm not sure if you like trivia, but it's all from 1998, so we can see who yes, the most Yes, points. yes, yes, yes. Please bring it. Bring, okay. Please bring it. Bring okay. It. So we have James, D, Marisha, and Jesse, and me. Well, I can't play because I'm not. I you know, we can put Tom back in frame. Oh, yeah. Where's Tom at? Tom is back. Tom, Tom is I'm back. back. Okay, Tom, Tom you're going to play the trivia, okay. so we're going to see who gets the most yeah. points, okay? Okay. okay. Question number one. Finish the li- finish the lyrics to this song from the 1998 movie City of Angels starring Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. Moby. And I don't wait. want the world to hear me. The, the wait, answer wait, wait. is who didn't you, date no. Natalie Portman? <laughs> you have to finish the lyric to this specific chorus. And you can't fight the tears that ain't coming. Because I don't really know who I am. <laughs> and I want the world to see me. It's the Goo Goo Dolls song from City of Angels. I yes. want to say the Goo Goo Dolls, when you go to their early shit, they were a punk band and they were really fucking good. They were really, good. They were they they were really fucking good. They wanted to be the replacements. Yeah, their early be. shit sounds so much like the replacements and it's really fucking yep. good. But you guys, the point is to finish the lyrics. Although Tom got the bonus points if you can name where they're from, Buffalo, New York. So it's, it's Say a, the lyric again. And you can't fight the tears that ain't coming. That ain't falling. And I don't really know who I am. Yeah, D, D gets it. When everything feels like the movies. I just want yeah, you to know you just know No, you're alive. <laughs> okay, D gets well. that, and Tom gets one point for naming Buffalo. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> this fast food restaurant aired this commercial in 1998 with the slogan, Think Outside the Bun. Pam <laughs> Hortons. Oh, Taco <laughs> Bell, Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, Taco gets Bell. It. Okay. Tim Hortons and Taco Bell both had the exact same thing. I can't believe it's Canadians you forgot when they had Think Outside the Nut. Did they? I'm disqualifying myself because yes. I desperately have to go to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Tim Hortons also had, like, um, you know, our prices won't bust a nut. A donut. I'm back, but I'm not listening. <laughs> okay. These basketball babes won the NBA championship in 1998. Are they WNBA players? Yeah. No. <laughs> Just the NBA. Did you say the Bulls? Okay, then name the team. Bonus points if you can name the team they played against. Yeah, Lakers? Super- no, no, Utah Jazz. Woo! Jesse Utah got it. Utah Jazz. Okay. With Carl Malone. Um, and bonus, bonus points if you can name the Super Bowl champs of 1998. The Patriots. Nope. Uh, Broncos. Yep, the Broncos. That was Tom, right? That was majorly Tom. That was Tom. And granted, I wasn't really into pop culture back then. I was already starting to get into like underground punk, so I'm trying my hardest. Here. No, you're doing yes. good. You're doing good. I wanted to make the question. I had, kind I had, of I had hard. a media blackout. <laughs> I remember Jesse, but I had a media blackout mostly. <laughs> I wanted to yeah. make things kind of hard because I was like, if I make it too easy, then I, like if I'm just like, what's the number one movie or something, you know? So I made Wait, it Wait, if, if this is 90s Jeopardy for Tom, in fairness, you need a category international squat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one yeah. you might this one you might get, Tom. This agreement okay. ended the troubles between the British and Northern Ireland. Hint, it's oh, named yeah. after a Catholic holiday. God, I, I forget the name. Fuck, but I know. James. It ended the troubles between the British and Northern Ireland, named after a Catholic holiday that comes before Easter. Ash Wednesday? St. Patrick's. Lent? Lent. No. The Good Friday Not Agreement. Good. Palm Sunday. Good, Good Friday. Good, Good Friday, Friday Agreement that ended the viol- most of the violence That's of right. the troubles. Okay. Okay. I am yeah. not only a bad Irish person, I'm a bad Catholic. <laughs> I do not know that. Yeah, me too. That one was hard. I looked it up. Troubles aren't over. The troubles aren't over. Go fast and still war zone. This MTV Claymation show debuted featuring Marilyn Manson in the first episode. A celebrity Yeah. Up next. yeah. Uh, Jesse got By it. By the way, there's a celebrity death match. Uh, I'm not trying to be like guy who has to talk about himself all no, the time. No, I want to hear. Himself. Is there one of you? There's yeah, one of me great. versus Matt Pinfield. Shut Holy up. I want to cool. see that. Okay, more MTV trivia. This show also debuted in September 90, 1998, which played the 10 most requested music videos of the day. Total Request Live! <laughs> and I'm there. I was on the first. I was like there the first entire first Woo! full year of TRL. I disagree. I'm going to say it's The Head. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever happened to head? That was a weird me. period of, of like uh, Is that with animation. The big head? No, it's a guy with a huge head who's an alien lived oh, in. Oh yeah, it. I remember Where, that like, show. MTV would just commission depressed independent comic artists just release like fucking things to give twelve year olds nightmares. <laughs> MTV's Oddities presents the head. Uh, this game show premiered in September 98, which featured a quiz competition where contestants tried to win a top prize of a million dollars by answering multiple choice questions. Who wants to be a millionaire? You! Marisha got it. Marisha on the board! This major multinational tech corporation was founded in 1998. Amazon! Nope. Google. Yep. Oh, I was say and you. guess what? Google. Guess what their original search engine name was going to be? Backrub. Backrub.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was I it originally funded by Jeffrey Epstein? No, it's disgusting. Wow. No, but that's porn made the internet. So. <laughs> True. These creepy toys were released in 1998 and sold over 1.8 million. Buggles. No. Furbies. Furbies. Yum. Beanie babies. <laughs> oh, wait, not boggles. They're called boglins. What was that? Boglins. 80s thing? Those, boglins. Yeah. Oh, those things oh, are boglins. so creepy. I fucked up. I, I had, had boglins. boglins. Over here, I'm a boglin. Me and my buddies need a place to hide out. <laughs> Come a little closer. <laughs> oh, did I scare you? Oh, I do that so well. Yeah, I had a boglin, and I was fine with the boglin, and I was somewhat fine with gremlins. But Furby's scared the shit out of me. Along with is Boglin Canadian? I don't think we had that here. Yeah, Boglin are mine with these Boglins. It's like a weird little gremlin doll. You'd wear. It was made of like, like rubber. Puppet. And it was like a weird little gremlin doll you'd put in your hand that was like a... You used to get them in quarter machines, too, to put on your finger. They which, were like was fake, which, which was a fake, which was a predated fleshlights. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Those things were really, if you think about a boglin. <laughs> fuck, I had one of those sitting in my garage my entire lonely high school years. <laughs> I would have married that thing <laughs> if I had thought of it then. James Randolph Holler. Wilt thou have this boglin to thy wedded wife? Okay, I just have two more questions. This dude was named Sexiest Man Alive in, ni- in 1998. Blake Shelton. No, but it's somebody like Denzel. him. Denzel. Nope. Ralph Hint. Mouth. Hint. Star Wars Alma Mata. Uh, Harrison that, Ford? Harrison Ford. Oh, Harrison Ford was hot looked... as fuck when he was you young. No, this is in 1998, though. He looked right, old. Yeah. I'm like, even now, as a 35, like, I'm... Wait, Harrison I? Ford was dating Calista Flockhart and had a left ear piercing. He looked very old in 1998. He had an ear piercing. It's like a middle-aged man. It was fucking weird. <laughs> in the wrong ear. You know I will, I will in give the right them... ear. In the right ear. <laughs> I'll, in, I'll the ear in the ear that made you question things. <laughs> That guy, that guy, great at flying space planes. Not so great at flying Earth planes. He's crashed like eight times. I'll give Harrison this. He's still with he's still with Calista uh, Calista Flockhart though. Shut up. They've had like a long enduring marriage. Are they? Do they have kids? I don't know if they have kids, Mm. but they they're definitely still together. No one remembers Ali McBeal. That's very sweet. You know, guys, totally off record. But since we're talking about celebrities that fly planes. You know who the God's honest? I met him in January. And who is, I'm not, I'm not, who is genuinely such a cool human being and has just great presence? John Travolta. Oh, really? Cool. He is really actually cool. Cool as fuck. I think since he shaved his head and he's just <laughs> completely himself, because that's, you know, like, it's a lot of work, I would imagine, to have, like, you know, an intricate weave yeah. thing. <laughs> lace front. Lace True, front. man. Those but, hair plugs are annoying as fuck. That would irritate the shit out of me. Generally, I I've heard uh, riding an airplane with John Travolta, especially if you're a co-pilot, is Manuel. <laughs> I went to, I went, I went to um, like, the, I, I forget what it's called, but it's, like, basically a Comic-Con. Church for, of Scientology? Uh, <laughs> no, but. Um, Bob I, Fest. I went. I went to go. Like I got my picture taken uh, with Jeff Goldblum at this thing. Yes, and oh, then Christmas cards. The other, the, yeah, the other, Jeff the other. Jeff Goldblum is hot. Jeff Goldblum yeah, he is hot. So, oh, he man, whispered in D's ear. D, do you have the picture? Please show them right now. Is it on your fridge? In a great way. Yeah, get my get the Christmas card. Okay, in. I will. I'll get it. Hold on, I'm going to show you. 
but I, I did, I like, I met, so I met Jeff Goldblum. Well, I didn't, I, I used the term met, you know, in quotation marks because they're like, they're hustling you through those photos. You don't get a chance to talk to anybody, but the other big name, the, uh, yeah, the other big name uh, that was at that was John Travolta and it was his lineup for, for uh, fan photos was fucking enormous. Really? Yeah. Huh. It was huge. Oh, I just met Ric Flair at something like that with his wife. He has an awesome wife. Look, here's uh, me, me and Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. Yeah, that, Jeff Goldblum's the hottest. I could Photoshop myself with oh, Jeff that, Goldblum. <laughs> that's, no, that's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, my God. D, you're a very beautiful lady, too. Thank you. But I took I took the photo because I got that photo taken with uh, with a couple of my friends. And um, and I tried to like I was looking at it and I was like trying to figure out Christmas cards. So I kind of just like fucking Jesse's listening. I'm so sorry, but I cropped them out of it. <laughs> I made the Christmas card just me and Jeff Goldblum and was like, "Happy Merry Christmas from the Goldblums." <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Final question. Final question for the trivia. This Teen Magazine released its first ever issue with Jennifer Love Hewitt on the cover in 1998. Teen People. Yes. Uh, I was going to say Teen Vogue. It's Teen People, the magazine that we're doing. Wait, this is the first issue? Yeah. No, no. The one with Jennifer Love Hewitt. It came out like in February, I think, of that year. Okay. I'm adding up the scores. Yep. Jesse won. Uh, James is in last place. Tom and Dee are tied. Woo. We had two, right? We got two. I I think. Look, there's there's no I in team. And honestly, I got to say that it's. That that we we feel linked with with you guys. There's there's three of you, three of us, and we love you. And and and, and we all came together as a big collective to try to figure out those nooks and crannies buried deep in the nostalgia of the nineties. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, oh man, we got we got to we have to save a lot. There's so much more so for much our part more. too. So much more. Oh yeah. my god! I, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface. We we have no, a lot of LA we have it. from pre MTV. We have a lot of LA. St- oh my god! But here's one last one. That's a great one. That's a great '90s story. Oh my god! This is a. I mean, I'll let Marisha tell part of it. I'll let Marisha tell this. No, no, no. This one is. This is very the last dance. Chicago Bulls. I don't know what? if you remember this. Basically, oh my God, I'm going to try to really cliff notes this. Marissa and I have befriended <laughs> this band called Head P.E. Oh my God, I remember them. For, I remember Head P.E. And, and they were the opening act for Motley Crue on their uh, Motley Crue's 1997 generation. Sorry, who? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's funny, we all remember Head P.E., but Motley Crue, who? You Motley Crue, come on. You know, but hey. I fucking love short, Motley Crue. So, so, oh, so actually, now I remember it. So the, actually, we can take the Molly Crew part out of it because it has nothing to do with it. nothing to do with Molly Crew. Although so Molly we Crew were, were really cool. And, and we were just like serious, like we looked like street urchins and shit. And Molly Crew were incredibly nice to us. Yes. And, oh. I, and I will always. But but the next night. No, and no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Marisha. No, no. I'm just saying that. And I remember even when you were on MTV, like Nikki Six going out of his way, like how nice a man he was. You know, yeah, so. Nikki Six. That's is, cool. Is, I love is, hearing his story. Such a, he, like, yeah, and, and, and he is, I mean, like, that's why I like to see Molly Crew and Guns N' Roses always had a really punk aesthetic to them as well. I think that's also why they were able to kind of like, you know, always kind of. Uh, they played punk bands before that. Yeah. Yeah. But, it let, it, but the next night after Motley Crew were playing in um, Las Vegas. And where was that at? No, it was the last night of a casino that was being destroyed. Right. But then basically Jane's Addiction were also on their reunion tour in 1997. And and somehow they had scouted Marisha and I in the audience at these people that were making a documentary film about them to like play some weird characters in this film. And so then we ended up like then basically hanging out with the whole Jane's Addiction crew. And then this is this is how we had first met Perry Farrell and all that. But anyway, after the Jane's Addiction concert. There was a giant um, party. God, what casino was that? I don't remember. But it was. It was. Was it in Vegas? But long story short. Long story short. So we were. This is pre MTV. We we're both eighteen years old, and um, we're in Las Vegas. We ended up at this like after Jane's Addiction after party, where Eddie Vedder was there, but also Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. <laughs> yes. Whoa, what? I remember standing next to Dennis Rodman backstage watching the show and just being in awe of you know 
Was and, he and wearing a cool outfit because he dressed so fucking awesome back then? And still yes, he did. He, he had on one movie. of those crazy pimp hats. I remember that. <laughs> like he was he was huge in every possible sense of huge. Like he was a physically, he, he was incredibly tall, and and his presence was was oh, enormous. Yeah. You know? Jesse, how do you stand up next to Dennis Rodman? Because you're six five, right? <laughs> People must- yeah, but he's he was definitely. I feel he was like at least six nine. Crazy, but but more but but more so than but that. He, his, you see, the thing is, his vibe is present. His vibe and presence, and he is yeah. he's he. I'm I'm more of a Tommy Lee build. Dennis Rodman is more of a uh, of a wrestler build. He's yeah, yeah, he's like one of the best. Physiques. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember those? He's an Adonis. He's an Adonis guy. Love, love, love all those LA bands. Just one thing: when you get older as an LA band, don't wear cowboy hats and Ed Hardy shirts. That's like the (laughs) downfall of all these older lead singers. Lead singers. Okay, rhythm guitarists and lead guitarists still do their like like straightened hair, kind of like rocking the uh, Keith Richards vibe. Lead singers, if you're from an L.A. band, they always go into the Ray-Bans, Cowboy Hat, and Ed Hardy shirt thing. I just want them. I think, to be fair, to be fair, I think getting rid of the Ed Hardy shirts is applicable to every human being, not just just metal people. The bassist is now bald and doesn't give a fuck about clothes anymore. The drummer's just wearing basketball shorts and like a dress shirt. The the, the lead guitarist is like, I'm still fucking leaning into this uh, Keith Richards thing. And the lead singer is always wearing a cowboy hat and Ed Hardy shirt. There is yeah, something, and a there is something under the cowboy hat. Exactly. <laughs> Whenever I see a photo of a person in an Ed Hardy shirt, I start getting like a sympathetic migraine over what that dude must smell like. Like, because he must just smell like so much cologne. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's just like that means that he's married to a wife who can't even buy cool clothing for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> You just hope that they have a teenage daughter that can at least do something at Forever 20. Or they have like an incredibly up. out of touch wife who is buying cool clothing that she thinks is like. <laughs> Honey, check cool this co- cowboy hat I got at Target. <laughs> I don't know. How do you age well as a as a lead singer of a band? LA has not figured it out. Jesse has. He looks cool as shit. I do love the fact that you just assume that the person has a wife because there's no gay man that would suggest anybody wears Ed Hardy. <laughs> no, True. no. Rob Halford has never sported. Never. Yeah, Rob Halford. No, Rob Halford always get, goes to a good leader man. I fucking love Halford. I fucking love that dude. Judas Priest, yes. I He's such a babe. And, like, I also love how... He basically like came out as gay and all of these like fucking metal heads are just like suddenly like their asshole clamps up and they just wonder why like you know what the meaning behind them dressing that like leather daddies has all been about and then they just like quietly kind of got over it and it like it became a totally cool thing. No, if you listen to Before the Dawn, I feel I feel that Before the Dawn by Judas Priest was nothing but gay subtext. Oh yeah, fully. honestly. He really wasn't hiding he it. He was not hiding he it. He was not hiding no, it. No, not at all. In a sense, before, like, trolling existed, he just had the greatest sense totally. of humor of all. And also, to be honest with you, I got this, um, this, uh, what is it, Rock and Val. I have this, this, I, a, a good friend that used to work, like, the Limelight and all these clubs, like, in the, in the, in the late 80s and stuff. And honestly, like, it was not, I mean, like, it was definitely known, like, Rob Halford would, like, come to, like, clubs and stuff. Like with with like you know young gay guys. I mean, like it wasn't. You never. Rob Halford never hit it. It was just. Yeah. I guess it was just something that the media. I mean, never really kind of reported on. You know, mm-hmm. but or, or it didn't occur to people. Or it didn't occur to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. you know, Freddie Mercury never hit a goddamn thing. I hate it when people like say. Yeah, say that he's. I mean, no, because his relationship with Mary was legit. But yeah. Like, he wasn't yeah. Hiding anything. This wasn't a Rock Hudson Sam marriage or something. Uh, uh, the media used to be like kind of more civilized being like we're not allowed before the sun in UK and stuff came out the media had more like well that's not that's like uncivil for us to report that's like salacious yeah. well, they're they're fucking they homophobic non-stop with these crazy libel laws and Liberace yeah. won a giant suit in England exactly 
And all of that is to say, like, you know, we can talk all all the time about, like, you know, how Halford wasn't hiding anything. But I have read into, like, the struggles that he's had as come, when he was coming out. And so, this, like, him not, quote unquote, hiding anything doesn't invalidate the true struggle of, like, coming out. No, completely not. I yeah. would say, though, that overall the metal community was actually pretty, pretty, like, understanding and accepting. And the, They're but, pretty chill. Yeah, but the, the thing is, I mean, you got what well, Rob Halford, he took a very interesting detour because he quit Judas Priest in 1991 and he had mm-hmm. his own band, Fight, which were more like a Pantera type band. And then he came out with this project called T, like, Two. But it was like him and Trent Reznor, and they kind of made this techno rock album that's actually pretty cool. And I think that when that album came out in 1996, that's when Rob Halford actually, he officially came out. And he did that in an MTV interview in 1990, I I believe in 1996. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then finally, not to again be like, Mr. Oh, I go to talk about me all the time. (laughs) But um, in the year 2000, no, in 2001, when MTV had their 20th anniversary uh, television event, um, big anniversary show, at Radio City Music Hall, they were cool enough to um, to have me come out with Rob Halford as presenters. That's awesome. Oh, so, yeah. oh living my dream. Oh, 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 yes. But listen, I got so many stories. Yeah, like, we dude, want you back on the show for sure, dude. And, this has been so fun. Manson, and oh my, we, we have for the next time. Oh my God, I got a great one for you for the at the, the evening of the final TRL episode. Marisha and I ended up doing cocaine. Uh, okay, never mind. Sorry about yeah, that. Nice. You can tell us next time. With Kid Rock and uh, the woman that would become Mrs. Nicholas Shea. But we're going to have to, we'll save that one yes. for next time. Oh. At the Trump Tower. So people can find your Instagram at Jesse, at the real Jesse Camp. Right. That's me, the real Jesse Camp. Marisha is Marisha Rocks. Marisha Rocks, and her photography is fucking amazing. I just followed it today, and I was like, oh my god! And scroll through your entire feed; it's fucking rad. Uh, Tom, oh, I don't you. know if Tom's there. He has an Instagram. You want Tom? Tom? Tom is um is under the show under the radar. You can't even Google my name, but you'll see me hanging with these guys at time periods here and there. So cool. I appreciate everything and really appreciate you guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much yeah. for joining we'll us. We'll have you on anytime you want. Yeah, this was so fun. And we're looking forward to talking with you again. If you come to Canada we and we go to the States often. So not right now, but in the future. It's been such a different episode to record. And I just want to say like, A very special episode you. of yes. Girly Mag. Yes. The, the pleasure was all of ours. All we ours. love you guys. We love you, too. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Okay, love you guys. Yeah. Have a great day. <laughs> Safe travels. Bye. We love you, bye. 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 Nick Lachey's abs. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir.